Well, good morning, good morning and afternoon and evening. Wherever you're watching around the world, we wanna welcome you to Influence Church in Anaheim Hills, California. And I'm Phil Hudson-Peller, the senior pastor here at Influence. Today is a special day. It's a day in America that we call Memorial Day. It's a day where we remember all of those fallen in battle during all the wars dating back to the very beginning of our country. It's a way to say thank you and you are not forgotten for the sacrifice that you made in order for us to experience the freedom that we are given in our Constitution. And it is with a grateful heart that we give praise and honor to our God. You know, we're living in a very unusual day and it doesn't uh, have to be said too often or too many times for us to realize that these days are unusual days. They're days in many ways that are unprecedented for this generation because we're finding ourselves at odds with fear and freedom. And there are those who've fallen into the trap of freedom to the place where it's paralyzing the very opportunity for freedom. And what we have to understand is that our nation was built on a foundation of faith and a foundation of freedom, but not a foundation of fear. Fear really has no place in the heart of a person who knows the Lord. Oh, sure, we're going to get afraid. We're going to have fearful moments in our life. But we have to realize that when that comes into us, when that confronts us, that we stop in our tracks and say, wait a minute, what do I really have to fear? If God is for me, who can be against me? So if you're fearful today, I want you just to move back into the arms of Jesus. I want you to just accept his love, accept his comfort, and know that God has got this. God has got you. God has got it covered. Now, one of the things that we're dealing with here in California is that tension between what freedom do we have and what freedoms have been taken away by those who we believe, at least I believe, have overstretched the boundary of their authority. And so it was good for me to hear our president this week announce that the churches, the synagogues, and the mosques should be opened uh, immediately. And I want you to watch just a clip from that announcement that he made earlier this week. Today I'm identifying houses of worship Churches, synagogue, and mosques as essential places that provide essential services. Some governors have deemed liquor stores and abortion clinics as essential, but have left out churches and other houses of worship. It's not right. So I'm correcting this injustice and calling houses of worship essential. I call upon governors to allow our churches and places of worship to open right now. If there's any question, they're going to have to call me, but they're not going to be successful in that call. These are places that hold our society together and keep our people united. The people are demanding to go to church and synagogue, go to their mosque. Many millions of Americans embrace worship as an essential part of life. The ministers, pastors, rabbis, imams, and other faith leaders will make sure that their congregations are safe as they gather and pray. 
I know them well. They love their congregations. They love their people. They don't want anything bad to happen to them or to anybody else. The governors need to do the right thing and allow these very important essential places of faith to open right now for this weekend. If they don't do it, I will override the governors. In America, we need more prayer, not less. Thank you very much. Thank you. Regardless where you stand on the political scale, regardless what your party is, regardless what you believe and what you think, I'm glad for a president who had the moral fortitude to stand on behalf of the name of God. That very God that founded this nation, that allowed us to prosper as we have, is a God who can be stretched through every single document given in our Constitution and the constitutions of the various states. I wanna remind us all of the words of Abraham Lincoln. He said it is the duty of nations as well as of men to owe their dependence upon the overriding power of God and to recognize that sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. It doesn't sound like President Abraham Lincoln was confused on this matter of God or church and state. He clearly understood the foundation of our nation and the power and the importance that it plays, that God plays in our lives. In the scriptures, there is a phrase, and we've been looking at this over many, many weeks. It's in that day. And it's a very unique uh, phrase. In fact, it speaks to four primary things. First of all, it's a distinct day. It's a day unlike any other day. And so when you see it in scripture, God is calling it out wanting us to pay attention to that day. It's also marked out in advance. So God says, I'm gonna give you some glimmers and some ideas into the future based on this phrase in that day. So when you see it, whether it's from Genesis or all the way through the Bible, you're gonna know to pay attention and say, what is this all about? Because it calls on us to be mar for a radical change in perspective. That when we see that, we say, wait a minute, this is that day. What should my perspective be? How should my strategy, because it requires new strategies, how am I going to maneuver in these days called that day? Well, I believe we're living in that day. One of those days that God has called out from his throne on high and said, I want you to pay attention to what's happening here because this is not just about what you think it's about. I have a phrase that I like to use. What if it's not about what you think it's about. What if God is doing something deeper, something richer, something further in your heart than just getting your attention with a pandemic? What if there is a move of the Spirit that God wants to do, unlike any other day that we've seen in recent history, but he has to do it with a people who have pulled back, gone deep, prayed further, and he's taken and got the attention of people worldwide. We've, we've already mentioned that Bible sales are up, that people are reading the Bible, that people are praying who've never done that before. Well, you see, that's a good thing that's happening in our world. Well, I want you to, to talk, I wanna talk to you today about three mountains worth taking. 
If you go back into the Old Testament, there was a story about the children of Israel when they went through the wilderness. And they came to a place where 12 spies were sent into the land. And two of them came back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb. And they said, it's a, it, it's a, yes, it's a wonderful land. And then the other 10 said, no, it's a, it's a frightening place. And fear dominated them. And when, because fear dominated them, God said, you 10 are not going to go into the promised land. You see, when you let fear dominate your life, you do not enter into the promises of God. Because fear and faith are on opposite ends of the spectrum. So God wants you to move in faith. You say, well, what if you're afraid? Then press through the fear into faith. Well, what if I don't know what to do? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with everything you have, trust in the Lord. Well, the three mountains I wanna talk to you about today, because it was Caleb who said later in his life, when he's 85 years old, he says to, to Joshua, he says, give me that mountain. In fact, he said, I want to take that mountain. And we're gonna see that story unfold for us today, but the three mountains I want you to take in your own personal life, first of all, it's the mountain of destiny, the mountain of sacrifice, and the mountain of freedom. And we're gonna begin by looking at the mountain of destiny, Joshua chapter 14 and verse nine. Listen to what uh, the scripture says. Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance. Do you hear the promise? Caleb says, I'm gonna take the promise of God seriously. I'm gonna cling to the promise of God. He says, it shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. So when God makes a promise, it's not short term. It's a standard for the future. It's something you can bank on. It's something you can bet on. It's something that you can believe in. God wants you to know his promises are good and they're good for you and your, and your children and your children's children. And it says, here's why. Because you have wholly followed the Lord. You see, when you completely follow God, the promises of God make sense. When you walk away from God, you don't know his promises, nor do you cling to the ones you do know, because you've let fear override faith in your life. And you know, it was this idea of faith and pressing forward that brought about the establishment of this nation that we enjoy today. Why, listen to the words of Christopher Columbus. He said this, it was the Lord who put into my mind, I could feel his hand upon me. There is no question that the inspiration was from the Holy Spirit because he comforted me with rays of marvelous inspiration from the Holy Scriptures. Sounds like Christopher Columbus understood something about faith. Sounds like he understood something about trusting in the Lord. Sounds to me like he understood something about pressing in to the promises and the power of God. And I wanna call on you today whether you're fearful, whether you know the Lord or not, I wanna ask you, would you press into God? Would you give God an opportunity in your life to override that fear? Oh, I know many of you are fearful. Many of you are believers, and you say, I'm fearful, what do I do? I want you to know that you can take a moment right now and just say, God, I am fearful. Would you take away that fear? God, would you fill me with hope? Would you fill me with power? I don't know what to do, but would you show me what to do. You see, God wants to answer that kind of a prayer, that kind of request in your life. What I've come to understand is that it's faith that envisions our destiny. 
When you have faith, you can see your destiny. You can see your future out in front of you. When you don't have faith, you don't see a destiny. All you see is what's surrounding you that doesn't seem to fit into your comfort zone. But when you say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just believe God, he's gonna open your eyes up and say, listen, I've got more for you than you think you do, you have. I've got more for in mind for you than you could ever imagine. And so we wanna just press in with our faith, and then we have to understand it's our obedience, though, that secures our destiny. So you've gotta have faith to see it, but you've gotta have obedience in order to secure it. So when I obey the Lord, That means when I look into the scriptures, I see what he says, and I do what he says, God says, I'm going to seal the promises for you through that obedience that you bring to me. You say, well, pastor, what if I disobey? What if I mess up, then just get started again? You see, the great thing about God is he treats you as a son or a daughter of his. And he understands that we're human. He understands that we fall down. He understands that there are moments where we're faithless, But guess what? God remains faithful even when we are faithless. God is always there. He is a present help in time of trouble, the scripture says. So we can trust in the Lord regardless what's going on around us. So if you fall down, get back up and head in the same direction that you were going before with God and know that God is with you. Why, God is with you through the the fiery furnaces. God is with you through those, those waters that overcome you. God is with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Why, I love what it says in the book of Job, chapter 12. It says of of nations, it says, God makes nations great. Now think about that. It doesn't say a president makes a nation great. It doesn't say people make a nation great. It says if a nation is great, it's great because God did something to bless that nation And I believe every nation on planet Earth has that opportunity daily to say, God, would you make my nation great? Would you take away our sin? Would you bring back a heart for you? And God says, I want to make your nation great. And yet, what else does it say? And he also destroys them. God said, I can make a nation great, but I can take the foundation away from that nation just with the snapping of my fingers. It says he enlarges nations. When nations enlarge, and I believe that has to do not only with territory, but I believe it also has to do with influence, with the way people view a nation. We want America to be a nation that people say, God blessed that nation, America. Amen? And it says he enlarges nations and he guides them. So what else does he do? He said, I establish, I make them great, I enlarge them, and guess what else I do? I'm going to guide them. If you will let me, I will guide you. Well, let me ask you a question. What nation can be blessed if a governor says you can't worship publicly, but you can go to Walmart, you can go to an abortion clinic, you can buy marijuana, what nation can be blessed with that? I want you to know, I believe God is calling on the governors and the mayors and those people in politics today, would you let me make your nation great? You see, it's when we get ourselves so self-important that we forget it's God who is behind it all. Look what else he says. God says he takes away the understanding of the chiefs of the people. Have you ever seen some of the decisions that are made on a political level? And you say, I don't get it. 
That doesn't make sense. Guess what? God says, I will confuse their reasoning. I will, ma- I will confound them in their decision-making and make them look foolish. He says, the understanding of the chiefs of the people of the earth, and he makes them wander in a pathless wilderness. Hey, if a wilderness wasn't bad enough, God says, I'm going to make it without a path. I'm not even going to give you a road to get on. I'm going to show you what it's like to not have my presence in your life. Second mountain we need to take is the mountain of sacrifice. You know, our nation was founded on sacrifice. Our lives are founded on the idea of sacrifice. If you have children, you have sacrificed to give them shelter, to give them an education, to give them food. As a nation, we have sacrificed for the freedoms that we have. And I want you to know the Bible in Joshua 14 speaks of that same thing. Look in Joshua 14, verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. So here's Caleb. He's now 85 years old, and he said, I'm still alive, and I'm still moving in the same direction I was before. He said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old, as yet I am as a strong, that means determined strength, this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now my strength for war, both going out and for coming in. And here's Caleb, he says, you know what? I'm not done fighting a battle. I'm not retiring from the battle of the Lord. I'm not gonna pull back in shame, pull back in fear. There's still things to be taken. There's still giants to be conquered. There's still nations to be conquered. There's still things to do. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you should never fall back into retirement or taking it easy. You should say, this is my commandment and my charge from the Lord, just like Caleb did. You see, our strength comes from the Lord. It doesn't come because we eat healthy. Oh, that can help. But I want you to know, ultimately, the real strength, the strength you need in the spiritual battle is gonna come from the Lord. It's not by our might, says the Scriptures. It's not by our power. But it's by your spirit, says the Lord. You see, determination comes from you. Your power is gonna come from God, but where's your determination gonna come from? Who's gonna say, I'm gonna do this? Only you can say that. Only you can stand up and be courageous in the middle of a battle. Only you can fortify your strength in the Lord. Only you can make that decision. I love the words of David Platt. He said this about radical obedience. He said, radical obedience to Christ is not easy. Let me tell you what is easy. Christianity becomes a hobby. Christianity becomes something you do once in a while. Christianity becomes something you do when it's convenient. Oh, that's easy. But when Jesus was calling disciples, he wasn't calling those who would follow and pursue a hobby. He wasn't calling those who would like an easy life. He wasn't calling those who just wanted to go to heaven, just make sure they got there. He was calling radical followers to make a difference in the world. He said it's not comfort, it's not health, it's not wealth, and not prosperity in this world. Radical obedience to Christ risks losing all of these things. But in the end, such risk finds its reward in Christ, and he is more than enough for us. If we could pull a scale out here and we could put on there everything that you ever wanted in life, and over here we could put Christ, which would you choose? Which would weigh heavier in your life? Can I say 
without even trying to answer that question, if you look into your life and your lifestyle and the way you spend your time and the way you spend your money, the decision has already been made. I want you today to tip the balance in the other direction. If you say, you know what, I don't think I'm that committed, then would you just move a little bit further into, into God and say, God, I want to be. I'd like to be more committed, God. I'd like to make a bigger difference. I'd like to give you more of my heart. I'd like to give you more of my time. I'd like to give you more, God. And you know what God will say? I will take it. If you give me an inch, I'll take an inch. If you give me a mile, I'll take a mile. Third mountain I want you to think about in your life is the mountain of freedom. In Joshua chapter 14, verse 12, Caleb makes a request. He said, I want that mountain. And he looked over into Hebron. He said, I want that mountain. Look what it says. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. You see the phrase? For you heard in that day. Now, this is an unusual scripture because it's used two times. That phrase is used two times. God wants to get your attention. He said, what's happening here? Well, here you see this senior leader of the nation, Caleb, who at his time and his age, and he's done enough, he could have said, well, I, I just don't want to make any waves. I don't want to do anything difficult or challenging. He says, no, I want, I want this mountain. And it's, the, it's what the Lord spoke in that day, and you heard in that day how the Anakim. Now, who are the Anakim? Well, they were the giants. You remember Goliath? He was part of that crowd. He was part of the giants that would come into the land. He said, I want you to know I'm here to fight a battle. I'm here to conquer a giant. Let me ask you to something today. What giants are you facing today in your life? It might be an economic giant. You say, God, I don't know what to do. I've got, I've got bills to pay, and my job has been taken away through this time. What am I going to do? That's your giant. You say, my giant is health. All right, well, there's your giant. You see, it's the same thing as a mountain. God says, look at the mountain and speak to it. He says, look at the giant and speak to the giant in your life. And it says, and the cities that were great and fortified. Remember the day when we went in, we saw fortified cities, we saw giants in the land. Some, 10 of them fall, fell back in fear, but two of them pushed forward in faith. It say, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Here's what Caleb said, you know, I'm looking around we haven't fully taken the land yet. We've still got some giants over there. We've still got some land that doesn't have our flag on it. We've still got some people who don't know the Lord. We've still got some people who are fighting against us. He says it's not time to quit, it's time to press forward. What's interesting is that land that he wanted, why did he want that land? That was the place where Abraham called home. That was the place where Abraham built an altar. You see, it was there that Abraham said, this is where I'm going to put my life down. This is where I'm going to say the Lord is, and this is the place of sacrifice. This is what I'm going to do. This is the price I'm going to pay. You know, as a, as a person who follows after uh, prophecy and end times events, I'm often asked the question, where is America in biblical prophecy? And outside of one reference that's very, very vague in Ezekiel 38 and verse 13, there is no reference to America. And so we wonder, does God have a plan? Is there something going to happen? Or is it just that it wasn't important in the biblical scheme? All of those things could be true, or it could be true that America so relegates themselves to a mindset that freedom is not important, that God is not important, that in future generations, this nation as we know it is no longer 
around. It's no longer viable. It's no longer noted in the end times. Rabbi Jonathan Kahn said this about America. The absence of any clear reference to America in end time prophecy is a warning of America's fall from its position of head of nations, the end of American age. Now, I don't know if he's right or not, but it certainly is a warning to us to make America great, to take up the mantle of God, to take up the mantle of freedom, and to let God be glorified. You say, what can I do? I'm just one person. You know, it was just one person named Paul Revere who made a big difference. It was just one person named George Washington who made a difference. You say, well, I'm not a Paul Revere or George Washington. You know what? You are one person created in the image of God. You can make a difference. Begin to influence the sphere that you have. It might only be one person. It might be the place you shop. It might be where you go to school. But make a decision that you will make a difference there. You see, your inheritance is to be taken. God says, I have an inheritance. And God says, are you going to take it or are you going to leave it on the shelf? In other words, are you going to take the land, Caleb, or are you going to leave it there for somebody else? You see, what I found out is that giants do not give up. You have to drive them out. Can you imagine an enemy saying, you know, you're right. I'm going to go ahead and leave now. I, I didn't know that you wanted this land. I didn't know you wanted this city. I didn't know you wanted this community. I didn't know you wanted this school. So I'm just going to go ahead and roll over and play dead. No, giants have to be driven out of your life. Giants have to be driven out of the scene. You see, God wants us to have something more than we have today. General Douglas MacArthur was a believer in Jesus Christ. One of the things he said about America and about history, he said this, history fails to record a single precedent in which nations subject to moral decay have not passed into political and economic decline. There has either been a spiritual awakening to overcome the moral lapse or a progressive deterioration leading to ultimate national disaster. I don't know about you, but I want an awakening. I want a revival. I want to see God move in our land. I want to see lives changed. I want to see the name of God lifted up, and I want to be a part of that. How about you? I don't want someone else to do it without me. I want to do it with someone else. I want to be in this together as believers in Jesus Christ worldwide to say God is worth all of our time, all of our energy, everything we have. Let me ask you this. Do you know the Lord today? Can you confidently say, I know that I know God, that I've met Jesus Christ, that he's taken away my sins, that my hope, my life, my future is based on him? Can you say that? If there's any doubt, I'm going to just invite you right now to pray a prayer like this one. Dear Lord Jesus, I want you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me to take away my sins and to, you rose from the dead to give me the gift of eternal life. So by faith, I trust in you. I put my hope and my trust and my faith in you. Save me right now, Lord Jesus. Amen. If that was your prayer. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you call on his name and you put forth your faith, he saved you. He wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. And you right now can say, I do know the Lord. If today you received Christ, 
We love just to hear that from you. You can just type it right in there on the, on the Facebook page you're reading from. You can send us an email or you can instant message us. But we wanna know that you came to faith in Christ. Now let me ask you, if you say, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I don't need to do that. No, what you need to consider is renewing your faith. How about saying, I wanna take on that spirit of Caleb. I wanna be a giant killer. I don't wanna let anything be an excuse for me not living my life fully dedicated, fully committed to Jesus Christ. Would you say that today? If you would just say, dear Lord Jesus, I renew my life. I recommit myself to you. I wanna be a strong Christian. Not just a Christian, I wanna be a strong Christian. I wanna make a difference in my world. I wanna be faithful, I wanna be diligent, I'm gonna be in the Word and in prayer. I'm gonna follow the Lord with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength. And if that was your prayer, then just seal it with an amen right now. Just say amen, thank you Jesus for hearing my prayer.